Uh, good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Bond, the director of Raven Ministries International. I have with me my associate director, Pastor Alex Hill. Good to have you this morning. Glad that you folks could join us once again for the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. We've uh, been gathering here for the last uh, few weeks, Pastor Hill, talking and discussing and really expounding on the book of Romans. Uh, the Roman letter is probably, we've called it time and time again, the Magna Carta. It's the one really that sets the stage for this new covenant in the blood of Jesus that we all have. And we, we've been taking really just a very deliberate approach to, to looking at the doctrines of this scripture. You know, we've been talking about the last several weeks, Pastor, about just the necessity in the day and age in which we live. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and I'm sure it's no great revelation. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's like it's, it's playing in the nose on our face. Uh, the, the type of, of, of obstacles that we're facing. And, and one of the things we talked about two days ago, and touched on it just a little bit yesterday morning, was those obstacles that were spoken of in the, in the Roman letter, the first chapter, that you'll see the rise of certain things mm-hmm. leading up to the end of times. And, and I believe that we are in the last days. Now, what, what that last days means, whether it's hours, weeks, years, I'm not sure, but I know that we stand literally on the threshold of the day that that, that Trump's going to sound and, and we're going to uh, stand before a, a, a holy and righteous judge. Mm-hmm. And so I believe that that time is now. But he said there's certain components or there's certain things that we can look to. And, you know, as Jesus told him, he said, listen, you know how to go outside and, and look at the clouds and determine whether or not it's going to rain. He said, can you not even discern the signs of the times? And folks, I tell you what, you can turn on CNN or Fox News or look in the newspaper or just walk outside the door of your own neighborhood and can you not discern the signs of the time? What's sad, brothers, we can walk in most quote-unquote churches today and discern the signs of the times in relationship yeah. to what it says is going to happen in the last days. But... Uh, and you see this many times when you're, when you're out in the marketplace or you're witnessing or you're sharing your faith. The things that he mentioned was that there's going to be a rise of certain elements that are going to be prevalent in the last days that are going to be uh, really obstacles or challenges to the gospel. The first one we talked about was the rise of, of, of evolutionism, right. which gives atheism. way to, to atheism, absolutely. Right. And you, we saw that the, the, it's come out in the last, what, 50 or 60 years. Mm-hmm. With the injecting it into the school systems and the absence of prayer and all these things that have that have caused just this great void within the educational process, that the enemy was more than happy to come in and fill in with sexual immorality, with perversion, with false religion, all these other things, uh, uh, atheism, obviously. Then out of that atheism rose this uh, this this intellectualism, and so whereas many of the the colleges, if we go back a couple hundred years. And you'll see that most of the colleges were established as places to train yeah, ministers. Yeah, I remember this. And, and then it's interesting. And so they, they were built to train people to preach the gospel. I mean, places like Yale and Harvard, <laughs> yeah. we, we think of those as we think of Harvard Business School, or we think of the, the fact that, that President Bush was a Yale graduate. But those places were originally designed to train people for the work of the ministry. Yeah, absolutely. But once they stopped the focus, certainly there's still a Harvard Divinity School, and there's other things associated with them. But by no means, is that the primary focus of these right. institutions of higher learning. And so this, this thing we call intellectualism, which embraces agnosticism or, you know, kind of the, the subtle acknowledgement of a God or a higher power, yet the decree that he doesn't have a whole lot of influence in my life or he he's kind of just takes a backseat approach and kind of a hands-off. And then what we've seen here in, in really probably the last... 25 years has really just skyrocketed. And the third thing we've talked about is spiritualism. Right. False religion, the, the cults, the occult, and, uh, and they're just, it's on the rise. We, mm-hmm. we see the rise uh, of uh, the influence of, uh, of radical Islam. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, the, the Islamic faith has been around. You know, uh, Ishmael was the father of, of right. Islam. It's been around for, for centuries. But in the last 20 years and in the last 10 years, You've seen this acceleration of these things. We saw it kind of coming to, to, to bear in the, in the late 70s with, with the radical Islamic movement in, in Iran under the, the, the late uh, Ayatollah Khomeini. And so you've seen those things that have just typically come. Then not only that, you see the rise of, of false, quote-unquote, Christian religions under the guise of Christ, such as the Jehovah Witnesses and Mormonism. And uh, now you see we talked about the, the rise of uh, Scientology with you know, mega movie stars like right. Tom Cruise and, and uh, John Travolta and whatnot. And so there's, there's an environment that is conducive for the return of Jesus. Right. And, and I'm all about that, brother. You know, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with John the Revelator. He said, even so quickly come, uh, Lord Jesus. And so uh, 
I praise God for that, but there's work to do. Right. You know, brother, we we've talked about many times that we're we're in the book, so to speak. That the book's gonna be open. We have faith in Jesus. We love Him. We've accepted Him. Right. But there are untold millions. And so you can turn on the television, Christian television, and as they debate the second coming of God, you know, I think they say three fifths of the world have not ever heard of the first, first coming, coming of God. Right. And so it's our responsibility to go and preach the good news. I'm not ashamed, as we we we've talked about here in Romans chapter one, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to all that believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Greek. And so we have enormous responsibility. So one of the things that we do and we endeavor to do in our teaching Amen. is to equip the saints for the work for of the, the ministry. ministry. Absolutely. He, he tells us in Ephesians, Paul the Apostle, the same author of the book of Romans, the, the Apostle to the Gentiles, he said some uh, have been given apostles, some prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And brother, what's the work of the ministry? It's preaching the gospel. What is the gospel? Preaching of the cross. Preaching of the cross. And so we've been made ministers of reconciliation. Come on. And so our job and our task is we sit down at this table uh, each morning, uh, Monday through Friday from from 9 a.m. to 10 Mm -hmm. a.m. Eastern Time, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Our hope and our desire is to deposit in you the, the Word of God and the tools that are going to that are going to challenge you to do two things. Number one, to dig deeper into the Word yourself. Absolutely. Number two, to take that Word and go apply it, not only in your life, but apply it through the preaching of the Gospel and other people's Not just be life. a hearer of the Word, but be a doer of it. That way, as James says, we won't be deceived. And there is. You know, when I said going to churches, you'll see the great deception has been in mm-hmm. the church. And we've been really big in the churches of which we're a part. Guys, we're by no means uh, above or apart from the church or the body of Christ. We're fitly joined together, each one supplying the need of the other. But if there's a disease section in the hand, it's going to affect the rest of the body. Right. If there's a disease section in the foot, it's going to affect the rest of the body. And so what we've got to do is grab hold of those disease sections and, and, and through the preaching of the truth and through the, the correction of God's Word and through the Holy Spirit, bring a healing to the body of Christ through the preaching of the gospel and injecting and investing those things in it. So that's what we, we come here for is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and to get and hopefully to, to, to birth in you or to kind of help stir up, as, as Paul told Timothy in, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, the gifts that are within you, to inject that word and to give you a hunger after the holiness of God and the word of God. That way you can be the messenger and the voice of God into this, this end times terminal generation. So, Pastor, why don't you, as we get into this word this morning, why don't you just pray to open us up and just just believe God that that He's going to show us something and that we're going to be able to spill out of that overflow of God's word into the people that are going to be listening to this message today. Absolutely. Father, we just come before you. God, and we know that the word of God is a lamp unto our feet. And we also know, Lord God, that when the word gets in us, Lord God, it springs up like a living water, Lord God, like a flow, Lord God. And Jesus... We just pray that we've been able to get more into you, God, more into the Word. God, you said if we'll abide in you, that you would abide in us. So, Lord, we pray as we abide in you, God, and you abide in us, that that Word would burn in us to take it to the streets, Lord God, that we wouldn't just sit on it. God, that we wouldn't just use it for, for a, a trophy to say how much we know, Lord God, but to grab a hold of it and use it to change the world. God, I know that there's people out there, Lord God, right now that are history makers, Lord God, they're world shakers, Lord God, they're, they're full with a destiny, Lord God. They have an opportunity, Lord God, to take this word and change the world around them. So God, I pray that you would bring revelation, God. God, even through the preaching of the word this morning, I pray that you would open up their eyes Make their uh, calling sure, Lord God. Make their their promise uh, sure, Lord God. Let them see the truth before them, God. And call them to go to the world and preach this living gospel. God, we're living in the last days. We pray that you would search us to know us. See if there's any wicked thing within us. God, so that we may not depart from the faith. That we may fall after you with a full heart. And when you come back, may you find us doing the will of God. Reaching those who are lost. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen and amen. Pastor, yesterday we spoke at length really concerning the first three verses of, of Romans chapter 2. If you're tuning in with us, we're in the book of Romans, obviously, 
chapter two is where we're going to begin. And if, uh, once again, if you haven't if you haven't heard all of these teachings, I believe what is it, thirteen or uh, up I think to it's four, fourteen. Well, maybe thirteen now. This may be number. This may be the fourteenth. Yeah. Uh, regardless, if you haven't seen those things, you can go to our blog spot at ravenoutreach.blogspot.com and, and Steve Ignowski of Lifeline Ministries is making those available in MP3 format for us. And you can get those updated things. You can download them into your computer. You can burn them on a compact disc. Use them whatever you want to. Freely we have received. Freely we give. There's no copyright on that. If you want to give them out, go for it. Frisbees out. Whatever you want to do, just <laughs> take that word and let it be a challenge to you. But those those are available to that. So if you want to go back and kind of get the basis of this teaching in the first, what, 13 or 14 lessons, we encourage you to do that uh, at your leisure. You can burn them and listen to them in your cars or travel. Uh, I know several talk about they burn them and they listen to them back and forth to work and places like that. So they are available to you. So we've been discussing, Pastor, in the link yesterday, uh, verses one, uh, 1, 2, and 3 of chapter 2 from the book of Romans. And, and Pastor, in these verses, we just discovered that Paul the Apostle had, had, had momentarily, and we'll, we'll see that in chapter 2 and, and partially in chapter 3, from addressing the Gentiles to now directly addressing uh, uh, the, the Jews in relationship to, to that gospel message. What had happened with the Jews, and we looked at this yesterday, is they had literally become proud and boastful in their hearts. Yeah. You know, they heard, they heard this uh, indictment against the, the, the Gentiles. And you can read that in the, what is it, the last uh, uh, four or five verses of chapter 1. Mm-hmm. And almost they had a kind of an amen corner. When he spoke of, of, of the, the sins that the Gentiles, they were like, yes, that's exactly what we're saying. And, you know, yes, certainly that they're guilty of those things. And all of a sudden... Chapter 2, or this next section of Paul's letter to the church at Rome, turns the corner. Right. And he says, listen guys, it's almost like wiggling the finger and say, uh-uh, wow. don't think that you're off the hook. And so he begins to, uh, to address that, that boastful and proud heart, even uh, talking about how boastful they were in rejecting Jesus Christ mm-hmm. as Messiah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they, had be- they had come to the point that they believed that just being Jewish was enough to equate them with the favor of the Lord and, and place uh, in a place devoid of the consequences of their sin. Right. And, you, you know, you saw that. They thought, well, I'm Jewish. And we, we see that even today. here today in yeah. 2007. And there's a popular preacher who preaches that the Jews don't have to be saved through Christ, that their uh, old covenant still stands and therefore they'll be able to enter into heaven because they're simply fat because of Jews. And it's, it's a, that's a scary thing because you think about what Jesus said to a Jewish rabbi. He said, unless a man, when Nicodemus came right. to him by night, he said, unless a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And guys, it's no, it's no secret what it means to be born again, having mm-hmm. faith in Christ Jesus. And from what I see in the scripture, brother, and what I've, I've witnessed in my own life, that hasn't changed. No. The, the same message that he gave to that Jewish rabbi then ought to be the same message that we're giving to the Jewish rabbi and the, and the, and the, and the, the hardcore sinner and the, the, the businessman and the, and the Gentile, whoever it is today. This, the message is the same, that Jesus Christ is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And no man cometh to the Father except by him. There's no asterisk, there's no uh, footnote, there's no loophole to the gospel. The gospel message is, 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 is by one that, that sin entered in in Adam and by one's righteousness that, that, that righteousness entered into man. And that righteousness was, was evident in birth through the cross of Calvary. So, but you, you see that, 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 that arrogance that came into the Jewish people. And Paul made it, it clear that they would also be subject to the same judgment as those, meaning the Gentiles, who they despised and, and literally held in, depro- in reproach. That he emphasized that the covenant that God had made with them did not exempt them from that high standard of God, but instead, Pastor, it, it, that, that knowledge held them to a much higher standard of righteousness and a greater responsibility because they were not ignorant of the things of God as the other heathen nations were. They were held to a higher standard because of it. And think about this. Where much is given, much is required. And so there's a great requirement. I, mm-hmm. I know we talked about this a day or so ago, but that, you know, hey, here we are in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's called us to the ministry. We preach the gospel to the nations. There's a, there's a requirement that comes with that. There's a great responsibility in our hearts and our lives because we know much is given, much more is required. Don't let many be teachers. Don't let many be masters. Don't let many be leaders among you. For upon you is a greater judgment, a greater requirement. So let's. I want to read in entirety. I want to read. Uh, I want to read four verses this morning out of Romans two. I'll start with where we started yesterday and just read through verse. And it says, therefore, you are inexcusable, O man. Again, when he's speaking to old man, he's addressing the, the, the Jewish people. 
Whoever you are that judges, for to the degree that you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you that judge does the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against those which commit such things. Indiscriminate of who you are. Mm-hmm. And, and think this, O oh man, that you, uh, that you that judges them which do such things and do the same, that you shall escape the judgment of God. And, and so here we, and we said that, and we talked about that in relationship to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now I want us to tackle verse 4 today. And this is really the only verse that we're going to hit today. And I'm, I told you beforehand that I'm just excited about this morning's teaching because I believe it's going to put some things in your hand and in your heart that's going to really uh, be an empowerment to you. He said, Or do you despise the riches of His goodness and forbearance and long suffering, knowing not that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? So what this is saying is that the Jews had come to a point, Pastor, where they held those things that had been so graciously afforded to them through the mercy of God, and they, but they were now holding those things in contempt. They were literally not just uh, uh, ignoring those things, but they were literally contemptuous towards the things that God had given them, the grace, the mercy, the divine favor. And they had ceased literally to be a grateful people and were now self-righteous and stiff-necked. He says, Do you, not know, do you now despise the riches of His goodness and forbearance and long-suffering? And so write this down. To despise in this text literally means to look down one's nose at something. Now, we, we know what that means. You look down someone's nose. And so that's like the, the ultimate... Insult or, 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 or snub or, or snobbering and so that you can give to someone. It's the, it's the fruit of pride. It's the, the manifestation of arrogance. And in this case, it's being pointed towards the attributes of God Himself. Wow. And so as God was giving that, that, that mercy, that goodness, that, that forbearance, instead of embracing that and recognizing, listen, that they were unworthy, they, they, they were not qualified apart from God's grace and goodness and mercy, it, it, it says that they looked down their noses at it. It'd be, it'd be like you doing something for your children, being a blessing. And, and they just snidely look at you and, and with snobbery thinking, you know, who do you think you are requiring right. something of me? Right. I mean, think about the audacity yeah. of such a thing that a people that had been walked in the favor of God, the goodness of God, for generations upon generations. God had miraculously saved them and delivered them out of so many uh, situations. And now they find themselves looking down the goodness and mercy of God first manifesting itself in relationship to what we're talking about, the gospel, and, and looking at Jesus and saying, we're, we're, we've snubbed even the manifestation and the incarnation of goodness and mercy. Mm-hmm. It's scary. Think about this, brother. Proverbs 6, verses 15 through 19. Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19 says this. It says, therefore, or as a result of something, it says, uh, calamity shall come. And it comes suddenly, and suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. And it says, These six things does the Lord hate. Yes, right. seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look. That's what we're talking about. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. What does Jesus, uh, what was the, the, the sacrifice of Jesus, the crucifixion? Yeah. What did Peter say on the day of Pentecost? He yeah. said, you've, you've, you've shed innocent blood. Absolutely. Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift to running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies. Him that sows seeds of discord among the brethren. And think about that. God hates those things. Every single one of those elements of Proverbs 6, 15 through 19, was if you'll look at the account of the Sanhedrin, which is the, 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 the Sadducees and the Pharisees, every one of those accounts led up to their right. indictment against Christ Jesus. Absolutely. Uh, the, uh, the proud look. They looked down their nose at the goodness yeah. and the mercy and the provision of God. A lying isn't the, They said, isn't this... Jesus, isn't this just the son of a carpenter? Yeah, who's he? Think he is. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, here he is, a lying tongue. They, they spoke and they, 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 they began to bring accusations against yeah. him. Hands that shed innocent blood, obviously when he Wait, was crucified. crucified. Hearts that devise wicked imaginations. They, they accused him, they said, will you cast out Satan in the name of Beelzebub? Yeah. <laughs> Feet that be swift to running to mischief. Obviously they were doing that. It was always this person, that person running to, to, to bear false witness. A, a false witness that speaks lies and he that sows seeds of discord among the brethren. Mm-hmm. What did they do in, 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 in turning their nation against one another in relationship to the Messiah? So right. seeds of discord among right. the brethren. And so we see that, that thing, it started out with pride. There's six things the Lord hates, yea, seven are an abomination. And the, the, the primary thing that he mentioned right off the bat, brother, was, was, pride. was pride. And we know that pride will immediately take you from a place of grace and mercy to a place of wrath. Right. 
And so if I move out of a place of grace and mercy, now I, I move into a place of wrath and judgment. Now, why, why, were they, why were they looking down at the goodness of God? What, what was it? Was it the fact that they think that they were just arrived? I mean, what, what was it, do you think? Well, I think, I think we, see, we see this throughout Scripture, is that not only did they think that they arrived, but they were exposed. Mm. Think about what Jesus said once again in John chapter 3. This is the condemnation. This is the thing. And condemnation is different than conviction. Conviction is, is, the, is the influence of God on your heart that causes you to look towards Him. And right. it says, you know what? Oh, wicked man that I am. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's no goodness inside of me. Condemnation causes you to look inward. And it, it, what it does, instead of you being justified before God, you begin to justify your own actions. Mm. And so he said, this is the condemnation. This is the thing that caused them to, or us, if we, if we don't repent, to, to justify or to look at ourselves and to, and to try, to, try to, to, to justify our actions is that men love darkness rather than light because they knew that their deeds were evil. And so when Jesus came as the light of the world, he, he's shown on those things. And, and what they had done, they'd put so much stock in their religiosity, mm-hmm. in, their, in their Jewishness, or the fact that they were the most religious, or they had obtained so much favor. And so when He showed up, it exposed them for really what they were. Right. You're a whitewashed tomb. Right. Yeah, you look good on the outside, but in the inside there's deadness. You're a cloud without rain. Yeah, you, you look like you have something, but inside of you... It's dry. It's barren. And so he exposed them, calling them broods of vipers, and, and exposing them for what they were—that you're, uh, you're, 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 you're wolves in sheep's clothing. Right. And so when he showed up on the scene, boom! All the things that they said, that they declared themselves to be, standing in the synagogue, standing in the corners, mm-hmm. uh, uh, making such a show of their religion, he showed them up in front of the people. Mm-hmm. He dressed them down, and he said, "Listen, you're not everything that you said you were." In other words, he chastened them because he loved them. Mm-hmm. But instead of them saying, you know what, God, we just throw ourselves on you, that we just cover ourselves in sackcloth and ashes, they hardened their hearts against him and hardened their hearts against that. But think about Proverbs sixteen eighteen. Proverbs sixteen eighteen. if you're keeping notes, and hopefully you are. He said, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And so when Jesus came and what Paul's sharing here in, in, in this, that you, listen, you despise the riches and the goodness and the forbearance and the long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads to repentance. But pride welled up, and as a result, pride will always be, uh, 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 precede destruction. A haughty spirit or that arrogance is always going to precede a fall. And so, literally, brother, it turned out to be a completely a prophetic message to the, to the Jewish people in the statements regarding the heart of Israel. See, at one time they had enjoyed such the tremendous blessing in favor of God. And think about this, brother. They enjoyed the, the tremendous blessing in favor of God even during times of great persecution and tribulation. Mm-hmm. They, were in, they were in occupation. They, they were, uh, they were, they were uh, in uh, Egyptian captivity. Right. But they were blessed. Their numbers increased. Their, their wealth was great. Even in, in Babylonian captivity, every time they were in captivity or going through persecution... Man, God just brought blessing. God spoke to them. There was great revelation. There was great provision. There was great victories in, in battle. And so they always enjoyed those types of things. But they would see soon, even in the midst of that, because of their pride, because of their arrogance, because of their refusal to, 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 to embrace the mercy of God and to repent, they'd see what Paul stated there and they'd see the fulfillment. And it is believed that Paul wrote the Roman letter, brother, about 10 to 12 years uh, before the destruction of Jerusalem. And so the, the destruction of Jerusalem was in about 70 A.D. And so this letter was written in about 58 or 60. Wow. And so here he is talking and speaking forth into those people that, that's telling them that they're going to be judged because of the haughtiness. Now, this is a people that, that even though they had Roman occupation, you know, they had the ability to go and to worship in their temple. They had the, the ability to, to, to go into their synagogues and to, to teach and to train and to do all those things in regards to Judaism. But... Twelve years later, you know, Paul speaks this word in about 58 or 60 A.D. And you can imagine the ridicule that he faced. What do you mean? We've enjoyed a, a great relationship with our, our Roman captors. We've, we, we've, we've maintained, we've, they've put us in positions of strength. and They've, they've allowed us to, to have our own courts and to kind of govern our own people. But all of a sudden, 12, 10 or 12 years later, something happens. Amen. Something happens and they begin to uh, begin to rebel against those things. So look at what it says in Luke 19, 41 through 44. 
It says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, even if you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, and now it has been in your eyes, the days will come when you, uh, when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize this time of God's coming to you. And so what do we see? The city was completely and totally laid to ruins. So pride came before destruction, a haughty spirit before the, the fall. And brother, it was nearly 2,000 years before the, 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 the Israelis or the, the Jewish people could once again claim the holy city Jerusalem this, this as their place. It almost looks like a uh, continuation of something. Um, uh, Jesus told them that one stone upon another. Was that, was that in relation to one stone being left on top of another? Was this relation to the same thing or was this... Uh, another time period when Jesus... Brother, it's right here. I mean, literally he told them uh, when he spoke this that the time is coming. See, they rejected him and they were haughty towards towards Jesus. And he said, the time's coming. Listen, you put your stock in a facility, a building. Mm-hmm. And he said, the time's coming when that's not going to leave one stone upon another. Mm-hmm. Also, he was prophesying of his, his, his death. Then he said, you know what? I can tear this down and right. in three days I'll build it back up. Right. And so, then we see Jesus crucified. Now, Paul, once again, he's stating, listen... You destroy the, the ultimate source, our, our genuine salvation. But the thing that you put your stock in, the thing that you have put your, your, your trust in, mm-hmm. that, that place, that it's going to be turned upside down. Your pride and your arrogance are going to come before destruction. Mm-hmm. And so in 70 A.D., when the Roman legions laid siege on Jerusalem, literally they destroyed everything. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, I think, for about probably I think 50 or 60 years afterwards when the, 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 the new uh, Roman emperor came in and, and saw that just, there was just only a few buildings even left standing there. Was this Nero's time? or, or Right. Okay. And so, but it wasn't at the time when they came back in. But uh, when they came back in, then they began to rebuild Jerusalem. But it wasn't until the, the late 40s that Jerusalem was actually handed back over to the hands right. of the Jews. And they're still fighting for those things. But think about this, brother. The word says, and so what happened with them is that they, they recognize the sins in others, but they become haughty in it. And so rather than when Paul addressed them saying, listen, we have rejected this Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yes, we, we, we have been a, 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 an offenders of the principles and the, mm-hmm. of, of Christ Jesus and, and what he's taught us and, 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 and repenting from those things. Instead, they hardened their hearts and they became arrogant. Now think about Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen. It says that he that covers his sin shall not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. Mm-hmm. And so when we get dealt with, like Paul is dealing with them, and we don't fall on the mercy of God, the only thing that comes upon us is the wrath. Mm-hmm. He says that we can fall on the rock, and we can be healed, and we can be restored, we can be saved, or the rock can fall on us, and we'll be crushed, or we'll be judged. And so they hid their sins behind their arrogance, and, and, and once it was exposed, it testified as judgment against them. So really, and, and folks, I want you to catch this. What had become, and, and this might sound surprising to you, but this is, this is really what it was. Their Achilles heel, so to speak, had become the grace, favor, and mercy of God. Mm. It had become the thing that, 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 that came back on them. They had had the grace, they had had the favor, they had had the mercy of God. Mm. But because they assumed that God's withholding of judgment could be equated with God's approval of the error of their ways... They were ensnared by it. And so it became that thing that trapped them, that became their, their devastation. And so, but don't you think, brother, that the church has certainly found themselves on the same type of fast track of consequences? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That for 2,000 years, we've lived in that age of grace, that dispensation of grace, so mm-hmm. to speak. And we've, we've, we've had the favor of God. We've had the mercy of God. We've, we've had the, 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 the power of God. But as a result of that, we've, we've allowed those things to diminish our willingness to turn to God. And so what happens is you have a church that, that is enjoying great numerical growth, or they've seen great uh, financial blessing come upon them. And so they think that that's equated with the favor of God. Folks, i got news for you. The, 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 the Jews mm-hmm. seen the exact same things happen. And they found themselves in idolatry, and as a result, they, they suffered the, the judgment of God. And unless the body of Christ recognizes that we are on the fast track and literally smack dab in the middle of that same type of mentality, we're going to find ourselves befalling the wrath of God. Galatians 5.13 says this. It tells us that we've all been called unto a liberty or a life of freedom. 
But he says, do not take this freedom lightly and use it as an occasion for the flesh. Right. Or as a way that we say, hey, listen, because we haven't had to suffer the judgment of God, we're okay. Or some right. sort of twisted justification for sin and rebellion against the, the things of God. That's Galatians 5.13. Yeah. And so, brother, the church has really adopted that same arrogant attitude that Israel had at the time that the, the, at, at that time and has thought that we've, we've been exempt from the judgment of God. Mm-hmm. You know, you have pastors of, of megachurches. There's a pastor out of Houston that pastors a church, I think, of 30,000. And he says that he don't ever mention sin. He don't ever mention hell. He, he keeps every, he doesn't mention anything negative from his pulpit because he wants to have something positive, brother. I tell you what, I'm very positive that if, if people don't get a divine revelation of hell yeah. and the wrath to come, Jesus said he came to, to save us from the wrath to come. Absolutely. If you don't get a revelation of hell and the truth of it and the consequences of it, you will never see a manifestation of the kingdom of God in your life. Mm. If you don't address sin in your own heart, if you've, if you've hidden that heart and you've, and you've, 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 uh, 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 allowed iniquity to come into your heart, you will not see the manifestation of the promises of God. Mm-hmm. And so, what's happened is the church has taken that same type of deal. It's become such this watered-down, feel-good approach to the gospel, exactly mm-hmm. in the exact same way that the children of Israel and, and the, the, the Jewish nation at the time Paul wrote this in 58 or 60 A.D. had been experiencing. Now, think about this. We think because we're the New Covenant and they were the Old Covenant that we can escape. We'll see this when we get to Romans, but I want to I want to read it now. Three verses out of Romans chapter eleven, Romans eleven eighteen through twenty one. Romans eleven eighteen through twenty one says, "Boast not uh, against the branches, but if you boast, you bear not the root, but the root thee." Will you say then that the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in? Well. Because of unbelief, they were broken off. Speaking of the branches, it's talking about Israel. It's talking about the Jews. And that you might uh, stand by faith. But he said, don't be Mm high-minded. Don't be arrogant, just as they were arrogant. For God spared not the natural branches. Take heed, lest He also spare not the tree. Or spare not thee, excuse me. And so, here's what the church has adopted through, through... Doctrinal teaching, which I believe is very that wide gate doctrinal teaching that 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 says that just come pray a prayer and you're saved. And you know we we call it things like once saved always saved. We saw it call it the the the, the doctrine of, of, of perseverance, brother. I was taught and raised that up as a kid growing up. That you know what you walk an aisle you get saved and, and you're okay. But I was taught that and told that. But when I began to search out the scriptures myself. I could not validate that in my heart. Mm. I wanted to believe that because it sure made things easy. It sure seemed to. But I just could not find that that unconditional eternal security in there. That there was a condition. And I believe that Paul with the the doctrines of the Roman letter begins to say, Listen, don't be so high-minded. Don't Don't think that, that he cut them off. Now listen, brother, he made a covenant with Israel. But when they rejected the Messiah and the time of the Jews was cut off, Brother, I tell you what, unless Jewish people have asked Christ to come into their life since the cross till now, if they died without faith in Jesus Christ, they will spend eternity in hell. Now, is that anti-Semitic? Absolutely not. That is just the fact of the matter, and that's exactly what Jesus taught. Yeah. The fact of the matter is that, 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 that all have sinned, come short of the glory of God, all have gone out of the way, and regardless if I call myself a Jew, if I call myself a Gentile, if I call myself a Mormon, that there is only one way into the kingdom of God, and that's through faith in His Son, Jesus. Right. But this arrogance has come into the church, and we've called it these things. Now we have people going to stadium events, and, and the man on the platform will say, come and just repeat this prayer, and if you pray this prayer, you're okay. And they are going and making them twice the sons of, of the devil that they've ever been. Right. And it's, 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 it's creating this fire insurance type of mentality. But the Bible says if you abide in Him and His Word abides in you, then you'll be His disciple. Mm-hmm. It says if any man desires to, to, to be my disciple, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. The following me has, a, has the connotation of a continuance in following me. There, there's got to be that continuance. It says blessed is that servant who when the Master returns finds him so Doing, occupying till we come, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Folks, you know what? I don't know how you were raised. Many of you were probably raised just like I was. You were told that I can pray this prayer and I'm okay. Guys, I'm telling you what, you just cannot find justification, biblical solid preponderance of evidence in the Word of God to support that position. Mm-mm. I'm telling you because I wanted to. I desired to. That was that was what, the way I cut my teeth and I was raised. But about 22 years ago when I began to get into the Word myself, I just could not 
find that. But the same respect, I don't believe, you know, people talk about can you lose your salvation? I don't believe you can lose it. To lose something means to not know where it went. I can lose my car keys and I misplaced them. Mm-hmm. But I believe that God has given us a free will as free will moral agents. And and it's not and, and salvation by no means is something so flimsy that if man if I slip up and sin that I lose it. Absolutely I do not believe in mm-hmm. you, you get some uh, uh, some fringe elements in Christianity that'll say, you know, one little thing and it's gone. I don't believe that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in unconditional security eternal security that you can do whatever you want to. But in the same respect I don't believe that it's so flimsy that if you just one little sin. Mm-hmm. I believe that that, that there's a truth that lies right in the middle where the cross We're is. Working out to salvation. With fear and trembling. Yeah. I believe that there's a maintenance. But I believe that, that, that God gives us that thing and with our heart, that confession, and when our mouth confession is made of salvation, and it's right here. Then it, but if there's any time that, that we get haughty and we want to reject Him and we harden our hearts, that God will honor that and we won't lose it, but we'll forfeit those type of things. Yeah. And so let's not get arrogant. I think we'll reject it. Yeah, we'll reject it. Not, yeah. not, him, not, not him not loving us, yeah, not, not being separated from His love, but love will either speak mercy to the faithful or it's going to speak judgment yeah. to those that reject Christ, whether it's now or, or later on. First mm-hmm. Peter 4.17 says this. First Peter 4.17, it says, For the time is come. Yeah. Not, not the time might come, but the time should come. It says the time is come in the now that judgment must begin at the house of God. And it first begins with us. What shall the end of them be that believe not the gospel of God? Folks, listen. If we think that we can uh, escape the, the, the wrath of God, the judgment of God, the consequences of our sin because we live in the, the age of grace, i got news for you. You know what? God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also. What does he mean by the house of God there? The house of God is people. People. It's not a facility. The house of God, obviously, uh, by this time, uh, didn't didn't have the, the same consequences. That there was certainly a temple still there when Peter wrote this, but the the, the glory of God had departed from mm-hmm. it in the sense of they the, the the Shekinah glory of God being there. And so, guys, that judgment is going to begin with us, mm-hmm. the body of Christ. Do you not know that your body is it's the, the temple, temple of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. I want to read verse four again. Oh, or have you despised the riches of His goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? To despise, as I said, is to look down your nose at something. It's to have such a, a, a snobbery or, or, or a smugness to the things of God that, that you, you don't even want to... You, 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 you elevate yourself in this place of pride and you look at it with such disdain that you don't even feel it's worthy to, to look eye to eye with mm-hmm. And the, the goodness is literally just the kindness of God. It's that, that, that attribute that God shows us that is, a, is, is, a, is that agape love. It's that unconditional love. It's that, that kindness. But forbearance is, he said, you despise the forbearance. It means to be held back. Mm-hmm. Do you despise that God has held back something? Uh-huh. And what has He held back? Brother? His he's, wrath. He's held back His wrath. He's held mm-hmm. back His judgment. Or in the long-suffering. If you despise the long-suffering. Long-suffering means... Patience in avenging wrong. Wow. Not a, a nullification no. of avenging wrong because because God is righteous, because God is holy, that holiness and that righteousness demands judgment. It demands right. that there be equity paid for the consequences of those things. Jesus did that on the cross of Calvary. He paid right. that for all that we repent. He said if we're faithful to confess our sins and repent, that He's faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, if we're unfaithful to repent and to confess our sins, He's faithful to bring the judgment that's right. equitable for that and the wages of sin is always death. Right. And so, folks, never assume that judgment delayed is judgment nullified. You can write that down. Because judgment is delayed right. never means that judgment right. is nullified. Right. Amen? Amen. Something's turning inside of you, brother. Yeah, I was thinking. <laughs> thinking about that. Probably a message well enough. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Uh, how many times that I've had to say that to somebody on how our generation says, uh, well, I haven't, you know, I haven't seen God get upset with me or He hasn't done anything to me, but I've blown it. So, And they use that. They use that moment of grace as our... our what we have now, grace, they yep. say, man, we can just... They use the goodness. They yeah. use the forbearance. They, say, they use because, the because He hasn't judged me yet. Because so I think I'm okay. Well, brother, I've met guys that have been involved in, in gang activity that have been shot six or seven times. That rather than seeing that as, the, as the, the mercy of God giving them another opportunity, they see themselves as invincible. Mm. That see, He can't take me out. Right. You know, Here they are riddled with bullet holes that God 
showed mercy upon them, gave them an opportunity to repent. But they, they, they see it as their own personal invincibility. Or they look down their nose at God's mercy in their situation. Brother, here's where that was birthed out of. It was birthed out of the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verses uh, 3 through 5. And uh, when I read it, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about in relationship to just uh, thinking that, that, that judgment delayed and judgment nullified. It says but the, uh, when, when the serpent came to tempt Eve, uh, he, he began to talk to them about what God had spoken. They said, you know what, we've been given dominion and we can, we can eat of any tree in the garden. But then she goes on to say in verse 3, he says, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, do not eat it, don't even touch it, mm-hmm. lest you die. But I want to say this, whether there's sin... There's wickedness, there's perversion, those things that we saw listed in, in uh, uh, chapter 1. Folks, don't eat those things. Right. But don't even touch okay. those things. Right. Don't play with sin. Don't think that you can just uh, uh, have, do, do a few things and it'd be okay. You know, I hear Christians say, well, you know what, I can just go have, I can have one beer. And it's, it's not bad. Now, is one beer going to send you to hell? No. But it's the fruit of something that's going on inside, inside of you. Of you. It's Absolutely. the fruit of something that you're not wanting to deal with. Brother, I came out of a family that had suffered for years with alcoholism. And, and we had seen drug addiction. We'd seen many things happen in our family. Praise God today that man, deliverance came. And, 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 and those in my immediate family that were bound by those things, there's a freedom in that because of the blood of Jesus. But do you think for a minute that, that we'd say, listen, because we came out of that, oh, I can just have one here occasionally. So I guess that would mean that you can just watch one pornographic movie. Or you can just have one affair with your, uh, against your spouse. Mm-hmm. Brother, he said, don't eat that stuff and don't even touch it. Right. Because that stuff's going to come and it's going to consume you ultimately. And, and, and the serpent said to the woman, he said, you'll not die. Right. He said, for God knows in the day that you eat of the tree that your eyes will be open and you'll be his gods knowing good and evil. And so it's the same thing with the church. We think that we can just dabble in these things and they're not going to get us because just as you said, Pastor, the, the judgment of God, the forbearance of right, God. Because it the, doesn't happen suddenly. The long-suffering that, that God has, has delayed judgment, so judgment is nullified. Folks, if you're walking in those type of things, if you're listening to this through, uh, through the, the, through the live uh, broadcast today, if you're, you're listening through it through a podcast or somebody's handed you the CD... Do not think that just because you have not suffered the consequences of your sin instantaneously that you will not. I, I tell you, repent. Repent right. and, and, and believe the gospel lest He come upon you quickly and tear you to pieces. Yeah. You, you've got to come to that place that you're not looking down your nose as snobbery or rejected. Or if you're thinking that you've got plenty of time, the Word says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Do you not know, He said, that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. repentance. Pastor, you know because you, you've served under myself in this ministry literally for years and years and years that, that, that I've long placed an emphasis on all of our, our ministry teaching just on that subject that he mentions there is repentance. Yeah. Don't think. Do you not know that the goodness of God leads you to where? Repentance. Leads you to uh, the nullification of judgment? No. Leads you to repentance. Leads you, leads you to a place of that, that, uh, a deluded gospel? No. Lead, leads you to a place of seeker sensitivity? No. Leads you to a place of a wide gate? No. It leads you to a place. The goodness of God wants to lead you to a certain place. Right. And that place that he wants to lead us to is repentance. Because, brother, I got, I, got, I got good gospel news. You will never enter into the promises of God until He first leads you to that place of repentance that literally is the doorway to everything else that God has for us. Mm-hmm. I've long said that probably the most uh, pivotal uh, verse in the New Testament is probably Matthew uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Yeah. Guys, it's, 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 it's pivotal. It is, it's, it's the thing that I believe that when we see the New Covenant unfold... Uh, when you open up the Gospels, that, 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 that first, that first uh, book, that first Gospel uh, uh, account that we have in the Gospel of Matthew, then it gets to the third chapter. All of a sudden, boom, something is dropped into the equation that suddenly changed everything. Right. And I want to read Matthew 3, 1 through 3 to you. You may remember I preached literally yeah. out of those three verses back when I passed in Texas for six, six months. Six months yeah, just out of that because that is how important this, this, yeah. this context is here. But in Matthew 3, 1 through 3, he says this. He says, uh, In those days came John the Baptist preaching into the wilderness of Judea, and he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For he that was, this, this was he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, and make straight paths. He said, 
In those days, John came preaching out of the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Do what? Repent. Repent. We know for, from, from further Scripture that the kingdom of God did not come with observation. So he wasn't saying, I'm coming to, 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 to put down the, the Roman occupiers. I'm not coming to, to, to raise up a, a, a military force. But he said, the kingdom of God is within you. It doesn't come with observation. So he said, you've got to repent. Suddenly John said that when he came out of the world of Judea. For the kingdom is at hand. And so, here's the, here's the Jews. The same Jews that Paul is addressing here in the second and third chapters of the book of Romans. What we're talking about right here. And so, they've suffered literally, Pastor, through this long period of prophetic silence. You know, it's called the Dark Ages. You know, mm-hmm. the period between the, that, that last canonized book that we call the, the, the book of the prophet Malachi. Right. And, and so, there's this long period of time where there was no prophetic voice. Right. Then yeah. suddenly, brother, they were awakened by a voice crying in the wilderness. And so the prophet that, that rose up and brought a loud voice, brother, they, they waited for him to show up. And finally he'd arrived, but he didn't come in the manner that they had hoped for or certainly not the, the, the way that they wished that he would, he would show up. Instead of him coming and literally decrying this Roman occupation and, and, and exciting some type of military uh, uh, uprising against the, the, the inhabitants of, 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 of the land of Judea, he injected a thought into them in a subject matter that was totally and completely foreign to them because of the, 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 the pride and the boastfulness nature of their heart. And he said, he didn't say, rise up. He didn't say, two arms. He said, repent. Yeah. And so, and so if him, instead of him showing up and pointing fingers at the Romans, he pointed a finger at them. Mm-hmm. Now guys, the church is the exact same way. When I speak of the church, I don't mean... The, the Baptist church, the Pentecostal church, the church. I'm talking about people. The church is so bad about the exact same thing. We're wanting God to show up and point at someone else. Right. We pray for, for revival to break loose, but what we're praying for is the Spirit of God to point up, point, show up and point at somebody else and saying, well, they're your problem. Yeah. Guys, I tell you what, if you get on your face before God, if you begin to seek His face, He's going to point right at your heart. Mm-hmm. When, when I have issues in my life, Pastor, I can't point at someone else. All I have to do is take those few steps to the mirror and, and look in the mirror and I can see immediately what my problem has been. Mm-hmm. I don't point at the devil and say the devil made me do it. I can point at Troy Bond and I can say because I did not stay prayed up, because I did not stay in the Word, because I did not stay faithful to the things of God, this is why the consequences and the calamity have come into my life. But when, when John the Baptist showed up, he, he spoke those things. He said, repent. Or we know what the definition of repent is. And you could write this down. Repentance is, by definition... The moral compunction to think differently. Yes, it's that, that compunction. It's that conviction. It's something inside of us morally that wants to, to cause us to, to think, think in a different way. Mm-hmm. We've got to think different. We've, we, we've got to be have that compunction. We've got to have that conviction that says, Listen, I can't continue to think the way I have. Mm-hmm. The Jewish people, brother, they had a certain mindset. Right, and Be, still do. And still do. The church folks, over the, the this past 2,000 years, we've adopted a mindset. mindset. My word to the church today is repent, for the kingdom Amen. of God is at hand. Repent, be converted, yes. times of refreshing will come from the presence of the, the, of the Lord. And so, brother, they were suddenly, and I want to say that again, it's the moral compunction or the moral conviction, something inwardly that causes you to think differently. And so they were... Faced literally with the task of moving past a superficial and and and, and the, uh, let me say it this way the superficial and and deadening effects of their religion mm-hmm. uh, of a legalistic religion at that and challenged to be transformed by allowing God to change their hearts and minds or in other words to change who they were rather than what they did. Mm-hmm. Brother, we know from history, we know through the Gospels that these guys did the right things. We saw when the, the rich young ruler came and, and Jesus began to challenge him according to the, the law. He said, I've kept all those things from right, my youth. Right. Paul, when he was still Saul of Tarsus, before he, he came to Christ Jesus through his, his Damascus Road experience, he said, he said concerning the law, well, was blameless. Yeah. I, didn't, I, I kept it. And so they were at the point that they did everything right. Now, folks, you can think to yourself that I go to church every week, yeah. that I don't beat my wife, I, I, don't, I don't drink too much, I don't use too many bad I words, anybody. I haven't killed anybody, uh-huh. I haven't stole anything, I'm, I have a good family, I go to work every day, 
And we have the audacity to believe that those things can be equated with righteousness. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, He's going to come and He's going to begin to look at our hearts. The Bible says that God does not look at the outward appearance or judge according to the outward appearance according to 1 Samuel chapter 16, but God judges the heart. He looks at the thoughts and the intents of the heart. That's why the Word of God is so important. I've got to hide it in my heart. Why? Because it is a, a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions mm-hmm. of the heart. I've got to say, God, what is my intent? Not that I spoke against somebody, but because my heart was wicked towards someone that, that, I, uh, that I held iniquity in my heart, that I, I held anger and unforgiveness in my heart. And it's the same. It becomes the exact same type of thing. And so he brought that, that message and they were forced to change not what they did or, or not the perception of righteousness, mm-hmm. but he said, listen, I'm speaking to your heart. I see you for who you are. Mm-hmm. You've been exposed. They were exposed, brother. We're exposed. Absolutely. It's, undi- it's indifferent. And so the question is, are we going to have that same type of thing? Are we going to despise the, the riches and the goodness and the forbearance of God knowing that the goodness of God leads us to repentance? Are we going to say that because He's delayed judgment, because we're still cruising and coasting along, that, that judgment has is, is, is been nullified? Right. God forbid. And so, you know, they hated John for that message. Yeah. And brothers... Sisters, they will hate you for that message. The Bible says that those that walk uprightly, those that walk in righteousness will be hated yeah. because of it. Guys, righteousness is revealed through the repentant heart. You walk in repentance, you preach repentance, you will be hated for righteousness. I hope that don't discourage you from, from preaching righteousness and preaching repentance. I hope it encourages you because then you can be identified with the prophets who were before you, you can be identified with Christ Amen. Jesus. They hate it so much, brother. But literally, that, that word and that message that John brought forth, and, 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 and Paul addressed here in the fourth, chapter, uh, fourth verse of the second chapter of the book of Romans, was that, that do you not know that everything that he's done up to this point, his grace and his mercy, his favor, is desired to lead you to that doorway of repentance? Mm-hmm. Do you not know those type of things? Guys, it was such an important message that Jesus preached it and Same so, message. Yeah. Uh, Matthew four seventeen. We see Peter stood up in, in Acts chapter two. He preached it on the day of uh, Pentecost. Repent. Paul preached it at Mars Hill. You can look in, in, in those first three chapters of the book of Revelation. John on the Isle of Patmos, getting that revelation, that mm. unveiling of Christ Jesus. He was always speaking to those seven churches of Asia Minor. Repent, repent, repent. repent. And so, folks, the goodness of God is going to lead you somewhere. And it's not going to lead you into rebellion, mm-hmm. but it's going to lead you to repentance. If I'm truly obeying and submitting myself to the will of God, it's going to lead me to repentance. And that goodness is defined here in, in Romans 2.4 is, is His kindness or His graciousness. Mm. And so I want to say this. Mark this down. Write it down. This is important. Repentance should always be our response to righteousness, right. not our response to sin. Right. Let me say that again, folks. Repentance should always be a response to righteousness and not the response to sin. The reason people, uh, I think, draw back and they, they shudder when they hear the word repentance because they always associate it with sin. Right. Folks, that's, that's a trap of the adversary. Repentance, amen, it's, it's, it's the moral conviction. It's that God consciousness that, 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 that causes you to think differently, that, that says, according to Romans 12, too, don't be conformed to the image of this world, right. but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? So you can... Do not do sin, no. That you can walk out the what is good and acceptable and perfect to God. Right. And so repentance isn't to, to, to strictly to keep us from sinning. Repentance is to, to, to catapult us into righteousness. He used to say, "What's the best? When's the best time?" Remember that? Yeah. When's the best time to repent? Yeah. It, and most people will say, "Well, right after you sin." No, it's right before you sin. sin. Right. <laughs> because we know that sin is, is conceived in the heart. I want to say that again. When's the best time to repent? Is it after you, right after you sin? No, it's before you sin. Right. When's the best time not to determine that jumping off that 20-story building is, was a bad idea? <laughs> is it once you've reached the 10th floor? No, it's before you leave the ledge. Yeah. And so repentance has got to be a daily lifestyle that keeps us from sinning yeah. Not just merely taking us and, away. And when you realize that repentance is thinking differently, yeah, it's not like you said, not a response to to sin, but it's a thinking of okay, let me let me let me think what is wrong. I'm not doing that. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's basically it. You say okay, if that's evil, I stay away from it. If it's good, that's what I go for. I mean, just to put it in the simple terms. Pastor, I had it when we, I, and you, you saw this because you, you you served with me for years at the church there in Texas, but you know. 
Man, we'd preach righteousness. And we would have the altars literally flooded with people every single week. And I had a, a, a visitor that, that came, became a, she became a very good friend of Melanie and I's that she was at our house one time. She said uh, that she'd visited the church. And she said, why is it that all those people uh, come to the altar and, and they're just weeping every week? Man, are they in that much sin? Uh-huh. I had to tell her, sis, they're not responding to their sin. They're responding to the righteousness of God. And I began to give her the testimonies of the people that would come forth. And I said, no, this person loves Jesus. This person prays. But this person knows where they came from. Mm-hmm. And they knew that repentance is what got them out of that. And they know that repentance is what's going to keep them out of that. Absolutely. Keep you out of it. That's a good way of saying it. Absolutely. Right. You think about repentance, it always should be our response to, to righteousness, not response to sin. I want to read to you Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. It says, but God, that's Ephesians 2, 4 through 10, if you guys are keeping notes. But God who is rich in mercy, mm-hmm. don't despise his mercy, don't despise his goodness, don't, don't look down your nose at it. For, great, for his great love wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he has quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and he has raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come now, and, 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 and in the judgment, that he might show his uh, exceeding riches of his grace and kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace you're saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, not, lest any man should be arrogant, lest any man should be haughty, lest any man should be uh, uh, shedding innocent blood, for, uh, lest any man should boast, it says. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works which God has foreordained that we should walk in. I've got to say this in relationship to what we're talking about, that they're despising His goodness. They're despising His, his uh, gracious, graciousness, His forbearance, His long-suffering. Uh, guys, that, that kindness that leads us to repentance is equated with, with, with grace. It's not the same word as grace, but it's the same type of thing. Grace is charis, mm-hmm. which is the divine influence of God upon the heart and its reflection in the life. And folks, we're saved by grace through faith. Right. And so God's, God's grace, God's mercy, God's forbearance, it comes to us in the form of grace. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's real important because I think people will miss this many times. There's a great trap that's been in, in, in the church and, and literally with the, with the Jewish people uh, is a relationship to our text in continuing to look at the grace of God as merely God's unmerited favor. Right. Is it an unmerited favor? Absolutely. Right. Especially in the sense of that old covenant that right. he made with the Jews. But this has led to a prideful arrogance that's coming to the church. And we see it here in Romans chapter 2. Mm-hmm. And Brother, the, the modern church has, has made the same mistake and they've become, had grace without growth. Right. And so just become, because they thought it was just a, 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 a unmerited favor that it's like, you know what, I can do what I want to. Right. But guys, grace was designed to function in conjunction with faith and to, to be an influence. And so that, that word grace literally in, in the Greek is the divine influence of God upon the heart and, his, his, and its reflection in the, life. in the life. What is that influence? That's that forbearance. Right. That's that, 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 that kindness. That's those, that, those, the, the, that withholding of judgment has come upon us which causes a reflection in the life. Mm-hmm. And so folks, listen... Grace to you can't be become your occasion for the for the flesh. Grace is God's influence. And so that's what he was warning them. Grace has come upon you, and instead of receiving grace in God's mercy, you, you've hardened your hearts. And as long as you only see it as something unmerited, there will be no re- responsibility on your part. Mm. But grace has always got to be reflected through faith. And what are we doing? We're teaching you faith. Right. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. Hearing by the Word of God. As we give you the faith message, the genuine faith message... It should cause grace or God's influence, God's forbearance, God's goodness, God's lost suffering to produce a repentant heart or a change of mind. And so, uh, so the Jews, to the Jews he wrote in Matthew 3.8, he said, bring forth fruit, meat for repentance. Right. Your fruit ought to be producing the repentant heart or changed heart. To the Gentiles, he wrote the same thing in Acts 26.20. Acts 26.20, he said, But he showed first unto them at Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea and to the Gentiles that they should repent and, and turn to God and do works meet for, repent. for repentance. Right. Folks, I want to give you just four little things as I close out today. What repentance is, and I'll probably touch on them and define them a little bit more in, in, with, on Monday. I guess Monday. I guess Monday will be the next time we're together. Right. Repentance is four things. If you want to understand four what R's. repentance is, the four R's. Pastor has heard these things preached for me for years. It's it starts with recognition, recognition, renunciation, 
restoration, and revelation. I want to say that again. Recognition, renunciation, restoration, and revelation. Repentance is recognition, renunciation, restoration, revelation. I'm going to touch on those and explain those on on Monday as we come back. And then we'll get into verses 5 and 6 and 7 probably and maybe a little bit further on Monday morning. Thank you folks so much for being a part of this. Guys, I'm going to say what John said. I'm going to say what Jesus did, Paul and Peter. Guys, let's repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. We appreciate you being a part of the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. God bless you. Go with God. Preach that word for the kingdom of God is at hand. We love you. Have a great day.